There are lots of things that hold many of us back from being more effective leaders. And probably the biggest thing that holds most of us back is ourselves. On this episode, what gets between you and greatness? This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 296. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. And I'm glad you tuned in today. Uh, If for the first time, welcome. If you're returning, you'll hear today the voice of a really talented coach, that I know is going to uh, get us all thinking about how we can be more effective as leaders and really to zero in on one of the the mantras, of course, you hear from me often is that leaders aren't born, they're made. There's a continual learning process that all of us experience as leaders. And I'm really glad that today's guest is going to challenge us in some new ways on that. And today's guest is Lolly Daskal. She is one of the most sought after executive leadership coaches in the world. Her extensive cross-cultural expertise spans 14 countries, six languages, and hundreds of companies. She is the CEO of Lead From Within and was designated a top 50 leadership and management expert by Inc. Magazine. Her writing has appeared in HBR, Inc.com, Fast Company, Huffington Post, Psychology Today, and many others. And she is the author of the new book, uh, just about to be released, The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. Lolly, I'm so glad to welcome you to Coaching for Leaders. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you for having me and inviting me on. Well, the pleasure is mine. And I didn't share this with you yet, but when I was searching for your email address the other day to send you a note, I typed in your name and there was a whole bunch of emails that came up that weren't from you. And I was thinking like, what's going on? And I started looking through them and I realized that there's been a number of times over the last few years that folks have emailed me or mentioned your name in a comment on the website or recommended you as a guest. So I'm, uh, I'm really glad to be talking to you and get to meet you. This is going to be fun. Excited. We're both excited. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So let's start with Shakespeare. <laughs> How about that? What a great way to start. Yeah, why not? Because I know you're a fan of Shakespeare and you quote him at the start of the book. And he said, be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And some have greatness thrust upon them. Tell me your thinking about framing the book with that quote. So think about the quote. Isn't it exactly about leadership? right? It's the same thing about leadership. Some of us have greatness that we are born with. Some of us have to learn it. Some of it has to expand upon it. Some of us have to achieve it. And some of it have, sometimes you're thrown into a leadership position that you might not be ready for. And I really thought that quote epitomized all the leaders that I have worked with, and they would understand it because they have experienced it, right? It's that be not afraid of greatness, right? They know that. Some are born great. They understand that. Some achieve greatness. They do that every day being a leader. And some have greatness thrust upon them. It's that sometimes they're thrown into a situation and what do they need to do? They need to show up as the leader. So I thought it was a perfect quote to start the book. And I suspect for a lot of us, too, that we've had all three (laughs) aspects of all three of those in some of our situations and some of the positions we've been in. Absolutely. 
I see you're also a, a fan of Victor Frankl. You talk about him in the book. It's such a powerful book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And Victor Frankl taught that you know you can't change a situation you're in. You need to change yourself. I'm wondering how you think about that in the context of leadership and thinking about the archetypes that are part of the, the book you've, you've just written. And that's one of my favorite quotes of Victor Frankl. So what he talks about is, let's say you're in a certain position in your business and in your life where it's very, very challenging. And as we know in life, you can only control so much. So I always think that if you cannot control the situation, and that happens to us all, to all of us, what do we need to do in order to bring out our greatness? We have to challenge to change ourselves. And that in itself can help us pivot from being stuck to being where we want to be. So sometimes you'll have people that say, I'm not where I want to be. This isn't working for me. So if the situation isn't working, what do you need to do about yourself that you can change, that you could pivot, that you can challenge yourself? Mm, I love that. When I first heard about the book and I was looking through it, I didn't notice that Marshall Goldsmith had done the forward to the book right away. And I, as I got into the book, I started thinking about what got you here won't get you there. One of my favorite books on leadership. And I was interested in how you've created and framed this book. Um, I'm guessing that some of this is inspired by Goldsmith's work. And I'm curious if you could tell us, how did this come about? Like, where did the archetypes come from that you talk about in the book? And how does that build upon some of Goldsmith's work? The thing about Goldsmith's work is that, yes, what got us here won't get us there. And that happens for all of us in our lives. But this is a completely different message. It's in the message that there's three things here that are very different that you can't find in any other leadership book. Number one is, is that every leadership and business book talks about how you should do things, when you should do things, why you should do things, where, and we even recently got so excited about why we should do things. So what makes this book different is about who we should be. At any given moment, we have a choice of who we're going to be with ourselves and who we're going to be with others. The second thing that makes this book so different is that you can't find anywhere else is that there'll be many books that you read on archetypes. This is, that's not new. But what makes this different is that I actually give you a framework, a system that teaches you that for every archetype that you have within you, there is a shadow, there is a gap. And if you're not aware of it, it can end up costing you in your business and in your leadership. So what makes this different is that you learn the good and the bad, the light and the dark, the greatness and the gap. And this framework is situational. Most books talk about as an archetype, as a badge of honor. This is different. Each one of these archetypes show up within a given day, maybe even within a given moment, maybe even in an hour. And we have a choice to ask ourselves which archetype we need to be. So yes, when we get a certain place in order to pivot to the next place, which Marshall's message is, my message is, who are you going to be? What are your gaps? And what are you going to choose in that moment? Mm. And so the you identify seven archetypes in the book. And I, I'm curious, you know, looking through the seven types, are, are there ones that we tend to 
identify more with each as an individual, or are they archetypes that we tend to move through depending on context and circumstance um, that may change over time? Uh, and I'm, I guess, I'm not sure I'm asking this very clearly, but are there like is there one that I would tend to identify with more than others, or is that something that just changes with context? We are the latter. It's more about we change with context. It's more about the circumstance. Now, when you read this book, you might say, well, I lean into the rebel or maybe I lean into the navigator. But if we're truthful with ourselves, we realize that we have, if you think about the archetypes, the archetypes are more about the virtues. So who doesn't have confidence? Who doesn't utilize their intuition? Who doesn't speak with candor? Who doesn't want to be about courage? Who doesn't embody integrity? And who doesn't want to be trusted? And we all want to be loyal. So these are principles that show up every single day. It's not like today I'm only going to be loyal and tomorrow I'm going to be courageous. At any given moment, we could be all seven. So it's a matter of how we think about these in the context and the practical, uh, the practical sense of how we're, what we're dealing with each day. And um, I, I was looking through the list and I was thinking about the different archetypes and the one that uh, the one that kind of jumped out to me. And I think it would be interesting if we could zero in on is the hero. And and then, of course, yeah. the, the shadow part, the, the bystander, as, as you call it. And I'm curious how this how this plays out, like who is the hero? How does the bystander show up? Um, I wonder if you could you could help us frame that because I, I know I see elements of this in my leadership and I'm, I know a lot of folks in our community will too. Right. So there's a great quote by Mark Twain that says, courage is the resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not the absence of fear. And most people they don't think of themselves as heroes. They say, oh, I didn't burn, I didn't jump into a burning building and I didn't jump into the tracks or I didn't save somebody's life. And you don't have to do something extraordinary to be a hero. You just have to have courage. You just have to have that resistance towards fear. You just have to have the mastery of fear. And you have to show up in the absence of fear. Mark Twain epitomized what the hero archetype is about. The, the hero is a, has fearful things happen in their lives. They're frightened about things, but they're brave anyway. They're courageous anyway. And I'm sure we can take a few minutes and think about our daily day, you know, our daily tasks or our daily conversations when we're just afraid to do something, but then we do it. We are the hero because the hero is courageous and the hero is brave. And so how does the bystander come into, um, how does the bystander play in with that? So the bystander, and I'm sure you don't like these parts about yourself, but they do exist and they exist within all of us. It's not like it only exists in me and it doesn't exist in you. So think about this. How many times in your life did you want to, did you see something, but you didn't do anything? How many times in your life did you hear something and you didn't say something? Maybe because you were afraid, maybe because you felt you didn't want to hurt someone. Whatever the reason is, 
you were a bystander. A bystander allows life to pass itself by. The bystander allows opportunities that could be great for them to pass them by. Think about the team meetings that you have. Think about the time that you need to talk to, you know, your colleagues. And think about the times maybe you even have to talk to your customers. Are you the person that is brave enough and courageous enough to say what needs to be said? Or do you tend to say, oh, I'll let this pass by and I'll see what happens? That's the bystander. And as we know, when you lead from your gap, it can cost us in your greatness. It can cost us in what you really need to be doing in this world. Mm, interesting. And that's the thing that came up for me when I was reading through this. And like you just said, you know, a lot of us don't think of ourselves as heroes. But I right away, when I was reading through this archetype, I could think of like, okay, <laughs> here's the time today I missed this opportunity, or here's the time I should have stepped in a week ago in this customer meeting. And so that one tends to come up for me a bit. And I was interested in one of the analogies you talk about in the book that when you coach people, sometimes you use the analogy of of holding a grapefruit. And I'm I'm wondering if you could maybe share that with us in the context of like how that shows up with something like hero and bystander of the of those how those play out and what the choices we make of whether to go with one or the other Right. So there's this wonderful story and sad story about a leader that I was working with that, you know, personified one of the archetypes in the book. And he, as you just talked about earlier, he felt he leaned into the archetype and he was very um, proud of it. But what people don't realize is that as much as we're proud of who we are, there are aspects to us our shadows, our imperfections, our defaults that come out in times of stress, challenge, and crisis. And light, you know, life doesn't always go our way. Leadership doesn't always go our way. Businesses can be challenging. And when that happens, sometimes we try to be the person we want to be. But what happens is, is our shadows, our gaps tend to leave baggage. It's almost like carrying that grapefruit where you hide it underneath your shirt and you expect no one to see it, but you're seething in a meeting, you're short in a meeting, you're speaking disrespectful in a meeting, you're exploiting people in a meeting. Those are your gaps. You think you're not showing it, but that's the grapefruit that you're carrying with you, but you hide it underneath your shirt by smiling when you're saying things that are challenging, when you're trying to manipulate and you think nobody notices. And I say to my clients, we notice, we see it. And it's this baggage that we carry, these, sh these shadows that we have, these gaps that we have, that we shouldn't think that we need to hide them but I teach you in the book of how to leverage them. And that's the most important thing that we can do for ourselves. Ah, okay. Well, one of the things I hear you saying is there's a stress component to this. So when we're under stress, when we're not confident, when things aren't going well, that that's when this shadow side tends to emerge more where, you know, we might be more of the bystander than we would be the hero in that situation. Is it a matter of just uh, being better at handling that? Or are there other things tactically that you find are helpful to leaders beyond just controlling stress that help to make that choice different? So life is not just about one thing or another. We are 
thinking people, we are feeling people, right? And we feel them in our body, we feel them in our mind, we feel them in our heart. So yes, it would be a perfect life if we can manage our stress better. And that's very important. But what's even more important is awareness. Because when you have awareness about who you are and how you act and how you speak, you have a choice who you're going to be the next moment. So let's say you're having a conversation and it starts off that, yes, you're challenged, but you might be um, short with someone. You could ask yourself in that moment, is this serving the moment the best way that it needs to be served? And you could pivot. You could say, I'm so sorry. I'm under stress, but that's not, you know, it's not your fault. Let's start again. I think awareness is more important. Yes, we need to manage stress. Yes, we should do all that we can to be as centered as possible, but that's not always available to us. What's available to us is to choose in the moment and when we have awareness. Got it. And so when you're coaching someone and they are falling into that trap of maybe um, being the bystander more than they'd like to be. Uh, what do you, what do you find that's helpful of getting that person to start to raise their awareness level to the point where they can make a different choice in the moment, like you say? Right. So the first thing we have to realize that the gaps are not really something that are detrimental. It was Joseph Campbell that said, in our abyss, we find our treasures. And what that means to me is in our weaknesses, in our gaps, is where if we learn to leverage them, we can utilize them and we can take ourselves to the level of greatness. You can be more of a whole person from your imperfections and your weaknesses. So for someone who tends to be a bystander, right? So we talked a little bit about this. It's that someone, when they see something, right? And they do nothing. And so what we want to get to the bottom of it is what triggers you not to do something? What makes you afraid? What is it within you that makes you not stand up? And the whole thing is, if we can realize the triggers of who we are and what makes us do what we do, we can get to the bottom of that, then we can pivot. So the so I always tell my clients and I explore with my clients, why is it that you're not saying something? Why is it that you're not doing something? And why do you act so passive? How does it serve you? And if and if it doesn't serve you, because most of the time it doesn't serve them, if it doesn't serve you, what do we need to do in order to change that? There almost has to be a partnership with myself and my clients because there has to be a willingness to pivot. There has to be a willingness to leverage being the bystander because I could tell you right now how to change as a bystander, but if you're not ready, if you don't want to partner with me, if you don't want to learn what it means to leverage it, you won't do it. What's an example of a time you've seen someone kind of walk through that and like what was the reason they were maybe tapping into bystander and, and how they were able to make that shift? We see it all the time in leadership. I see it in many organizations that I work in that a leader has this position. They need to lead their teams, but they're passive. They don't give them information. They don't give them vision. They don't give them roles. They don't give them 
any details or information that they need to excel. And most of the time they say, well, they were hired for a reason. Let them go do their job. No, that is that is a bystander leadership. A leader needs to be um, engaged. A leader, some leaders think, no, they hired me for what I do, my competence, my capability. I said, that's just a fraction of why they hired you. That's a fraction of why you got your job. And this is the biggest mistake when sometimes managers become leaders of teams. They want to talk about process instead of talking about people. The way to stop being a bystander is to engage with people and not engage in process because people, you know, that's where your most important parts of your organization are. So we have to be very mindful that when we are in a leadership position, how can we engage more? How can we talk to our people more? What are they thinking? Listen to them, talk to them. That's how you get out of being a bystander. And I know that some people run into that trap because they're fearful of being the micromanager. They're fearful of being the person that's always in everyone's business. And that's where that some of that bystander probably comes in for some of us. I know I've made that mistake before. Um, I think there's there's that place between you know not being a bystander, but at the same time not micromanaging. Where do you find that healthy balance uh, when you find that clients really zero in on on that in a healthy way? Absolutely. So. The leader knows what needs to get done, right? And they feel sometimes that they know the right way to do it. But the question I have for that leader is, did you hire the right person to do the job? And if you did, then let that person do that job, but see how you can compliment them. And it takes me to this whole scenario and story of Steve Jobs. I mean, Steve Jobs was brilliant at what he did, but guess what? He surrounded himself with A-plus players, so he can learn from them and he can engage with them and he could encompass what they had to offer him. Even though he was their leader, even though he was their boss, he learned from those he hired. So every leader should learn from that too, is that, yes, you know what you know, but maybe you don't know everything and maybe the person that you hired can teach you. Have a partnership with those you, ha with those you hire and teach them what you know but allow yourself to become a student and allow them to teach you maybe something that they know. One of the stories you tell in the book is about Henry Ford and uh, some of the lessons we can all learn from Henry Ford and uh, some of the things I think a lot of us don't know about Henry Ford. So I was wondering if you could share some of the lessons and how that really relates to the, the hero and bystander effect. Absolutely. So everybody knows Henry Ford as being, you know, the godfather of Ford Motor Company, he was the man. He was the he was the person behind the brand, the behind the business. But what people don't realize that Henry Ford was a very stubborn man. Maybe they know this about him, but what they don't realize when he created the Model T, he thought that was the best car and the only car should, that should ever exist. He was not interested in learning what was happening out in the world. He was not interested in creating new cars. And he was very, very stubborn because he didn't want to create another model. He only wanted to have Model T. He was like, people need to buy. This is the best of what I have to offer. And that's it. And it was his son, Etzel, who said, Dad, we can't do this. Model T had its time, had its shine, 
But now people are moving on to colors and to convertibles and other kind of cars. And Henry Ford said, no, I don't want to hear about it. And Etzel in the background was creating all these new cars and new models because he was moving with the times. But Henry Ford didn't want to move with the times. He wanted to stay stuck in the times. And then what happened was Henry um, Etzel Ford created a new car and presented it to Henry Ford. And Henry fought him on every single step of that way. He was like, I don't like it. Nobody's going to want it. And when Etzel actually revealed the car and the car became a true success, Henry Ford was shocked and devastated. Number one, he took the, (laughs) there's a wonderful story how he took credit for the car. He said, oh yeah, look what I created. But it was Etzel that took the chance. It was Etzel that was the hero. And it was really Henry Ford who was the bystander in that story because he wanted to stay stuck with the Model T. And it was Etzel who was courageous. It was Etzel that was brave who said, Dad, no, we need to move forward. And people don't know that because of Etzel and his designs is actually why the Ford Motor Company went on to be such a, such a successful company, not because of Henry Ford, but because of Etzel. He was the true hero. And that was the Model A, if I'm remembering right, that yeah. Etzel rolled out. Yeah, it's a fascinating yes. story because we get in our minds sometimes that this, you know, there's this hero archetype. I think we see, you know, these famous names in business and in leadership. And sometimes it's it's easy to assume that, you know, someone just made a great, uh, brilliant decision at one point and that was the end of it. And of course, in any successful organization and with uh, almost any leader, that's just not the case. There's the constant need for courage and for change and for growth and for engagement, like you were talking about. So it, it's a, it sounds like a real clear challenge for us to really engage with people. You know, that's why there's another layer to this book. The system that I teach is rethink. The seven archetypes is a rethink model because most leaders think, right? They think they know. They think they know what to do, how to do it, where to do it. And I always encourage my leaders, rethink. You don't know everything. What got you here won't get you there. Rethink. And what is the acronym for rethink? These seven archetypes. Rethink who you need to be in order to pivot to the next level. Mm. Yeah. And uh, and speaking of Goldsmith, I know one of the things that he does a lot, and I'm sure you do a lot as a coach too, is um, working on how to help people stop doing things. Because sometimes yeah. you know what we stop doing is even more important than what we start doing as leaders. Are there things that you find that are common for leaders on how to stop being the bystander? Well, one of the things that you just talked about earlier is very important, being a micromanager, right? You need to stop being a micromanager. You know, sometimes it's even worse. It's like you're hovering over someone. You're not telling them what to do, but it's like, yeah, not that way. Oh, do it. No, no, I did it better. But you're not really teaching them. You're not really engaging with them. So the bystander can be a a loud bystander, but they're not really being a leader. They're just criticizing. And so we have to be very mindful about what kind of leader do we want to be and how do we want to engage with the people that we lead? Because the truth is, it's really a partnership, right? It's not about me just, it's about we. And that's very important to be very mindful when you tend to be a bystander. 
Mm, so, uh, so there's a lot of awareness that comes into this <laughs> for all yes. for everything around leadership, of course, but this especially. So there's so much more in the book. I mean, we've talked about the hero archetype. There's six more. So, um, I mean, you've you've gone through and researched this extensively and looked at all these different archetypes. And as you mentioned, you know, these all show up for all of us in different scenarios and different contexts. So I hope folks will go check that out. And you have a spot online for folks to even check out the book and get some more information about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right now, they can go to the leadershipgapbook.com. And right now, if you order a book, you can get a free assessment that most people pay $97 for. But don't stop with one book. Get more books because can you imagine if three, 10 people on your team or 20 or 50 people on your team are all speaking the rethink language, then you have a shortcut to ask yourself, do we need to be the hero now? Do we need to be a truth teller right now? Do we need to be a rebel right now? And in five seconds, people know who they need to be in that meeting. They need to know, they'll know who they need to be in the team. So it's a very powerful system. Excellent. We're going to have that in the show notes and, of course, this week's leadership guide. Lolly, one of the things you write in the book is great leaders have the ability to rethink who they are. They're open to learning, changing, and growing as leaders. So I'm curious, what have you had to rethink in the last few years on how you lead others? So interestingly enough, I make it a practice to rethink all the time because I have as I explained earlier, rethink is an acronym for who I need to be. So at any given moment, I'm asking myself, who do I need to lean into? What do I need to show up as? And so not even in the past five years, think about in the last five minutes. Um, before this call, I was on a client call and he needed me to be, to be the truth teller. And trust me, it wasn't easy. I had to be very brave. So for me, it's not just pivoting every couple of years, but it's actually making choices and pivoting within every moment. Oh, what a great uh, what a great reminder for all of us of the importance of that from a leadership standpoint, because we are all facing all kinds of different things every single day. Lolly, I really appreciate your perspective on this. Um, I know the book's going to be really valuable for all of us and to give us a real strong framework on uh, moving forward. So thank you so much for uh, bringing your wisdom to us. And uh, I'm really uh, excited to uh, be able to get our community invested in uh, what you're doing. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you today. Well, thanks, Lolly. Lolly is the author of The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. Check it out. We'll have all the links in the notes in this week's Weekly Leadership Guide. Thank you, Lolly. And one of the ways that all of us can be greater at what we're doing is through knowledge and education. It's the starting point for all of us in our journeys to become more effective leaders. And as we talked about on the last episode, there's a lot beyond that, of course, too. Taking action, then the coaching that comes with uh, trying things that are new and failing, and then eventually getting to the point where we develop skills that we can utilize and then ultimately teach others. Knowledge is often the very beginning of that process, and one way that you can enhance your knowledge of not only the leadership skills we've talked about in today's episode, but uh, all the broad aspects of leadership is by getting access to the archives for the Coaching for Leaders show. I have archived over the last six years by topic all of the things that I think are most important for you to be hearing 
as a leader that'll start that journey for you. And you can get access to that by going to coachingforleaders.com slash podcast. If you're already a member of the website, a free member, you can access that directly. If you aren't yet a free member, when you go to that link, it'll give you an opportunity to register as a free member on the website. It'll give you access to the full podcast library searchable by topic in addition to a number of other resources including the regular member cast and you'll also get access to my free 10-day audio course titled 10 ways to empower the people you lead if you will give me 10 minutes a day for 10 days i'll help you to get the most immediate practical actions to become a better leader it is a fabulous way to begin that journey of knowledge and beginning to think about new ways that you can approach your leadership journey. And you can access all of that by going to coachingforleaders.com and activating your free membership. And while you're there, I hope you'll check out some past episodes that also relate to today's conversation. Lolly and I talked about Marshall Goldsmith, who has written the foreword to her new book. Marshall was on episode 196, talking about his most recent book, Triggers, Creating Behavior That Lasts. And if you are looking to create the behaviors that last, it's a great compliment to our conversation today. Hope you'll check out that episode. Marshall goes into depth, not only in how we can do that for ourselves, but also talks about how he's done that for himself as an expert executive coach. So that's episode 196. Also, past episode 232, how to manage your inner critic. Tara Moore and I talked about that inner critic voice that a lot of us hear and plays into a conversation today very much about these different dichotomies. Episode 232 is a place to go if you find that your inner critic is talking to you a lot right now. Uh, that'll give you a lot of tools and strategies to help to, uh, if not silence that voice, at least uh, make it a little bit smaller in your daily conversations with yourself. And then also, I'd recommend episode number 254, Use Power for Good and Not Evil. Speaking of dichotomies, Dacker Keltner was on that episode talking about his book, The Power Paradox, it is a really important examination of how leaders use power and how we can utilize power effectively and also the trappings that all of us can fall into as leaders in uh, utilizing power. I hope you'll check that out. You can access all of those past episodes by going to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number that'll take you right there. Next week, I am thrilled to welcome Susan David to the show. She has a new book out on emotional agility, and she's going to be joining me to discuss the four steps that all of us can use to get unstuck and embrace change. Who doesn't need that? So uh, check that out next week. Thank you so much to Nuda Fairhope in the States here for the kind review you left on iTunes. Thank you so much to leave a rating or review for the show if it's been helpful to you. Go to Coaching for Leaders dot com slash iTunes. Have a great week and I look forward to seeing you next Monday. Take care.